You may kill me, but you may never insult me. Who am I? I'm Kevin Jack Sparrow. Get the truth about movies on the movie show. If he were telling the truth, he wouldn't have told us. <laughs> Tell them, Sparrow! Unless, of course, he knew you wouldn't believe the truth, even if you told it. Mm-hmm. Hello? Joey, it's Ross. I need some help. Help has come your way because you are listening to the movie show. What's up? This is the movie show right here on Active FM. Hello? Uh-huh. Okay. I was about to say, Ryan, why am I speaking by myself? My name's Ryan. I don't understand. <laughs> Ryan was like directing didn't me with the his memo? finger. No, I didn't. I said, how are we going to do this? Oh, no, you I didn't, didn't get that memo. No, no sorry. Is that uh, why you were, you were directing me with your finger? I think I dreamt Ryan, about sending I'm the director. It. You're the cinematographer. Okay, so okay, 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 okay. Which, okay. yeah, okay. Take two. Beep. Wait, you have to brief me first. <laughs> Okay, so... And that right there was an example <laughs> of how the movie industry works. <laughs> the director. Yes. About the importance of directors, directing and, and cinematographers, cinematographing. And also how we've spoken about how sometimes an actor must improvise. Exactly. So I should have known that. I must fill the gaps. <laughs> that was very... That was. What were you going for? I don't know. It's, uh, it's okay. always... Um, Just like... What's the word? Spontaneous. Yeah. Like... Okay, okay, cool. So, today's film that we are reviewing was a completely not spontaneous film because I don't think the actors had a lot of free will to do what they wanted to. It's actually really interesting. So, we are doing the 20 t- uh, 2010 live-action remake of Alice in Wonderland, which we're, we're putting it as part of our Movies Worth Watching Again category because this movie is definitely worth yes. watching again. Definitely. But if you didn't know, most of the film, the reason why I say most is because just like the pieces in the beginning were filmed on set, the rest of the film was green screen. And if you listen to actors speak about acting on green screen, most of them hate it. Most of them say it's the most exhausting thing to do and they they really just don't enjoy it because there's nothing... Oftentimes, in fact, in this one, you had one person acting by themselves. Like, literally, that was it. There was no actor to bounce off. There was no set. There were, yeah. So, I understand why they feel that way. But it also shows the, how good the actors are in this film. For, for, for the CG team, they had a lot of work Ooh, to do. They did. Create environments. I must be honest, watching this movie again, uh, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Learning a lot of 3D and stuff like that, and then re-looking at what they did, I was just like, wow. No, it's crazy. You know what's cool scary? Stuff. I was looking at, like, behind-the-scenes interviews, et cetera, et cetera, and they, a lot of it for this, they had the CG artists and all of those people speaking and explaining, you know, how they do something, create a character, um, take a, a, a human character, and then tweak them a little bit because they also did that. Ryan, the machines that they worked on, Looked so old. I was like... Well, 2010, I mean... No, but you know when you're like, how did they even get that right on that? Do you understand? You, like... Session. The technology... I'm there, still with the Matrix. Yeah, actually, that's how true. How they did the Matrix. That, that, that is fascinating. True. Yeah. So if they did it in 99, they can do it in 2010. You just feel like the machines that they were working on, it looks like they waited long. 
with renders, right? For it, it's crazy. Yeah. So this film, that's true. Yeah. Mm. Uh, wow. That uh, honestly, wow. This film is brilliant. We've got a um, a 2009 13-inch MacBook Pro. Exactly. And if there's anyone that still has that thing around, you know, a dinosaur that's still working. That thing does nothing. You're like, I can't even edit a video on this no, thing. No, you can't even. This vid- thing won't even take the Vinci uh, Resolve. Which is, uh, what did they do? The, and, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That was the best. Like that Mac at that time was, was brilliant. A very good, exactly. Fast. Op- okay, you obviously need to take into consideration that uh, back then I think it was Mac OS Leopard. Um, then the features and you know just the processes running would probably made have made the Mac quite stable. And obviously, as you do updates, so but still, no, that thing is. That thing is hectic. That's what I'm saying. I was like, wow, this is, this is, this is really good. You had to know what you were doing here. No, you really did. Otherwise, you were stuffed with a, a loading sign for the next 10 weeks. I thought you and were going to say stuffed with a capital S. No, no. <laughs> you like press one wrong button. You know, when you're like, and then the thing loads. And now you either have to force quit or you wait. But you don't know how long it's going to take. And then there's 10 weeks of production completely gone. Or you press render and the thing crashes. And you, ooh. I've had those situations where I'm like, okay, now all I have to do is leave it rendering and I can go sleep and I can leave it lay, uh, rendering. Oh, no. And then you press render and then force screen. You're like, wait, why is it doing this? And then you spend another hour figuring out why is it doing it. And then you find, okay. And then you're like, finally, okay, <laughs> render. <laughs> and you're like, okay, it's rendering. Okay. And that the sad part is that's like five seconds of film. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even a joke. It's like... Five seconds. Or you need sh- to appreciate the amount of work that goes into this. Really, yeah, no, it's um, crazy. Especially like the sets. Especially, you know, I, I looked at the one uh, specific part. So right now, I'm looking at behind the scenes footage. He is, and they've done like especially inside the queen's, the the, the evil queen, the, the evil sister, her her palace and that. Obviously, it wasn't. It was green, but they had stuff that they sat with, uh, sit on, and stuff yeah. that they could interact with. And what they would have is. A lot of markers and stuff around the walls. That's just mm. because um, they need to track, be able to track the camera movement, place it in 3D so that uh, the 3D camera also moves. It just enables, it makes it easier for them to just place things everywhere without yeah. having to move everything manually. So it makes it pretty cool. But all of those markers, they have to rotoscope out. Uh, whenever they have markings on the suit, so a lot of the characters that were digital, mm. they, for them... Like now I'm looking at Alice when she was smaller, when she was painting the rose, the rose is a green rose, <laughs> a green item. Yeah. Uh, okay, I can understand how they could have done that, but there's a lot of rotoscoping in here and rotoscoping is pain, pain killing, but you have to appreciate the amount of work and everything that went into this. No, it Very was a, good. It was and the brilliant. queen's head. Yes. That's a fact coming down the line, isn't it? That, that, definitely. Yes. For me, what I love also, so they didn't just, like Ryan said, they didn't just film on a green screen. So it's not like you put the actors there and there's just a wall and the floor. Now imagine is green. there's a, a you sitting on a. You no, know. they didn't do that. What I loved is the the props. So at one point, Alice is on the Mad Hatter's hat, and she's literally getting a hat ride. And they literally built this gigantic green hat that she then acted with, and it even was on um a uh, what would you call it? So like a uh, mechanical yes, moving. Yes, so that it and it simulated the movement of walking. So literally, that must have been fun to do as an actor because literally she was on the hat. So what that wasn't fake. 
Also, I know there was a part in the film where she has to jump on the heads that have been decapitated by the Red Queen and they're all in was the river. Was that what that was? They were, they literally made these, these green faces. So literally she, and also they had like springs on them so that when she jumped on it, it would, it would bounce. That's what it did. Because they were on water. So literally the, the, the green props that they built with it was so cool for me. I was like, that is, so it that re- is really they cool. really did go like the sets. They did have sets. It was just green sets. So they created like the sets or whatever they needed. They created a, as a green object, and yeah, which was that does really make cool. the 3D artist's life a lot easier. Yeah, a, uh, mm. yeah. Because most of this film, in fact, I'd say just the beginning and the end weren't green screen. The rest of it was completely green screen. And also, I mean. There's actually a lot as a filmmaker you can learn from this because even when she was in the room, when she was um, with the table and she was taking yes. the potion, the camera angles. No, they were brilliant. The camera angles were so cool. When yeah. she had to go bigger, then when she went smaller, the shot, ah. No, it was, was so like, cool. This is so yeah. good. So the director of this film is a man named Tim Burton. If you know Tim Burton, you know Tim Burton. If you don't, you have no idea what I'm talking you about. Look at him. Yeah, this you're like, yep, he looks like his films. <laughs> makes sense, yeah. Tim Burton looks like his films. I'm going to get to him now, but just for interest's sake, the budget for the film was 150 to 200 million US dollars. And the box office was one, 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 and, a, one and a quarter billion US dollars. So they, they literally did so Why well. Why quadrupled? Yes, it's the sixth movie to, to basically get a billion dollars worldwide. The others that were that did it first was Avatar 2000 and well not first Avatar did it in 2009, Dark Knight in 2008, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man Chest in 2006, The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King in 2003, and Titanic in 1997. Obviously now um, Endgame, Infinity War and Endgame would that would be added to the list, but at that time it was the sixth film ever to to get over a billion dollars worldwide. And obviously, what is from the sounds of it, that figure is from like almost a month from being released type of thing. Yeah. So it, it's within a, a period of time. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah, when they say box office. Yeah. So Tim Burton is one of those directors who has a very easily identifiable visual style because almost all of his films reveal, or sorry, revel in gothic imagery. From the characters themselves to the props to the houses and the cities where the film takes place and are sculpted in an exaggerated, almost cartoonish way to emphasize goth features. I'll just name a few of his films and then maybe you'll be like, oh, Edward Scissorhands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> Beetlejuice. Oh. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Also Johnny Depp. Yeah, Johnny Depp and, and um, even Helena Boham Carter, the, those three. So but this guy's got his favorites. He as does, well. yes. Dumbo. That one, I was like, oh, wow. Because that one, his style was toned to do down a bit. A bit more. Yes. James and the Giant Peach. Yep. And then Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Have you watched that movie? Yes. I love that movie. A while ago. That, that movie. Why did we ever do a movie show on it? Maybe we did. Maybe I don't we think we did. That was also cool. Next film. week, coming Next up. Week. <laughs> but that, that's the type of films he makes. Obviously, he made Alice in Wonderland, and then he made Alice Through the Looking Glass. So he's got a very noticeable style. He's also done other, like, um, what was it? Dark Shadows, 
jo- a lot of Johnny Depp's movies are directed by Tim Burton. So, yeah. They look like they work well together. Definitely. And then the cast, the cast was brilliant. The cast for this film is amazing. So, obviously, you have Johnny Depp as the Mad Hatter. Br- for me, uh, two of my favorite Johnny Depp characters is obviously Jack Sparrow. But Mad Hatter, I'd say the two of them are on par. Like, I really enjoy Mad Hatter. Then you had uh, Mia was... I practiced this so nicely. She's got a hectic surname. Wazikowska. Wazikowska. Mia Wazikowska. <laughs> she's Alice. And she's Australian. But that's her name. <laughs> I know, right? Hmm. <laughs> All right, what's going on, mate? But she was very good. I thoroughly enjoyed her as Alice. I think she, like, she really brought across Alice. Well, a, a little bit later, I'll let you know who else they were. They, they almost cast as Alice, but she was definitely the right pick. Then Helena Boham Carter was the Red Queen. She's brilliant. She is so good. Her performance is brilliant. Yeah. Like, honestly, her performance, her and Johnny Depp's performance were amazing and Hathaway's weird but she was good she was weird but good and then you had Alec now a lot of the a lot of these actors were voice artists so Alan Rickman was the caterpillar Michael Sheen was the the white rabbit Matt Lucas played Michael Sheen Michael Sheen who is that again he was in I know that name um you know the film with Ron Howard with the Nixon Frost Nixon Frost Nixon it was called Frost Nixon where he was the Australian, the the interviewer. Right. Yes. Okay, cool. That's Michael Sheen. Then you had Matt Lucas, who played both Tweedledee and Tweedledum. That was crazy how they did that, because he literally had to play both roles. But what they would do is they had like a stunt double, but the, he wasn't a stunt double. He was more like a, he would literally play the other twin while Matt Lucas played whichever one he was doing and then they both swapped so actually shame this person got no recognition well they did get recognition but like no one knows that they played the uh, well they, they actually played both Tweedledee and Tweedledum because Matt Lu- Lucas also played do you understand what I'm saying so you're saying that they had someone as a placeholder so it's like me and you right at. me and you are the 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 two you're the actual the actor face. yes you're the actual actor, right? So you're actually playing the two characters, their usual performance in the film. I'm there, though, to, to basically act with you so that you know what to do and so that other actors can also, like, for eyeline and that. But I have to know both lines, both sets of lines, and you have to know both sets of lines. And then literally we do the performance once where you're Tweedledee and I'm Tweedledum, and then they do a second take where we'd swap and you'd be Tweedledum and I'd be Tweedledum. That's literally what they had to do. Imagine the, schedule, the scheduling for something like I that. I know, right? And imagine having to learn two characters' lines. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, he played yeah. both characters. Like, it's crazy. So, he also did really well. You have um, Stephen Fry, who played the chess, 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 ah, chess, ayer yep. cat. That one. Ch- the chess, ayer cat. There we go. And then you have a lot of other actors. So, before Tim Burton was involved in this project, Anne Hathaway was offered the title role of Alice. I'm really glad that that did not happen, because I just, yeah, I don't think it would have been what we got. Um, but she actually turned it down because it was too similar to other roles she had previously played. However, she was keen to work with Burton, so was pleased to be cast as the White Queen. And she shot all, her, all of her scenes in two weeks. I can understand that. Yeah, she didn't uh, have she did have a big role. Just yeah, but just, she didn't have like a lot of 
screen time. In the beginning, you see like a quick the the whole history or yeah where um you know there's like a quick you know whatever what happened. It's quick. You, I don't even think you see her face that properly. Yeah. And then at the end, then you see a lot more of her. Yeah. Johnny Depp, who says that he um, likes an obstacle while filming, admitted that he found the process of filming in front of a green screen exhausting and that he, he literally said he felt befuddled by the end of the day. That's literally from Johnny Depp. Do you think it's exhausting because they have to use their imagination? I think it's that. And mm. I think... You know, there's energy when acting, and when you're acting with other people, you can almost like bounce off each other type of thing. Yeah. Whereas most of the scenes, because like even the scenes with Alice, you think because Alice is there, they acted together. They didn't because Alice was different sizes. So when she was really, really small, she wasn't acting with Johnny Depp. That he would, he would do it, and then obviously they'd have green props or whatever, and then she yeah. would act on kind of like a green screen set where everything's gigantic and then they put it together. So even in scenes where you think they were acting together, sometimes they weren't actually acting together. So, But I think also, um, and we've worked with green screen sets before, it, it, there is a lot more work, mm. um, specifically because you can't always film uh, two angles at once. Yeah. And I, re I remember the ones we filmed uh, with the green screen and we could only film from one direction. So we had our camera set up on the one side and if we shot a scene and we wanted like a, a AB camera type of setup, yeah. we did it with <laughs> one camera and we would, okay, <laughs> like literally we'd film the one, we'd film the long shot and I'm, I'm about to give everybody ideas here. Mm. Oh, that's how we're going to do it. Um, so we'd shoot like the long shot or mid shot and then we would get the close up of our A actor. They would literally take the whole set and we'd be like, okay, wait, let's... Everyone, go, 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 rotate, 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 pivot. Wait, you weren't there. You have to be there and then, uh, and then I have to be on this side. Oh, and the light. We have to move the light because the light was on this side. Yeah. And then we shot that. So it is. It's it's, it, yeah. it, there's a bit more work. You've got to think about stuff. You know, um, if they're interacting with something that's CG, uh, they now have to wait, stop, and then they have to explain it, and then okay, no, but you got it, you know. So th there's a lot more in, like briefs and in betweens and thoughts like that. The thing that is quite amazing that we don't think about here is, you know, the room where she shrinks with the key and then she goes up again. That tells me that there were like three three rooms there, mm. because the yeah. one room is when she first walks in, She's which is normal. like a normal room. Yeah. Then she shrinks, so which means they have a set that is a bit bigger than her. And she had to change a costume, obviously. Mm. Man, the cloth simulation that they must have done on that. Yeah, I know when dress. she shrinks the, for the first stuff. time. Yeah. I would have loved to see that. And then, of course, then she grows up like huge again. And they, they made a set that Then they got a smaller was, set. Yeah. And like even her, her dress is smaller and tighter. So yeah. that's like, okay, cut. All right, now we're going to go to that set over there. Okay, where were you? I was about over here. Get the camera. Ah. You know what I do? So I was... For me, I think this was my favorite shot from the film. It's a very weird shot, and it was only on for like a good three seconds. But it was my favorite shot in the film. Then I saw behind the scenes, and I was like, okay, I don't know how they did that. So, you know, she falls down the rabbit hole, right? Yeah. And then she lands in the room, right? Yes. But then the camera reveals that she's upside down. Oh. So her hair is standing completely straight, right? And the Okay, the candles can be CG, but... yes. So I was like, oh, that's, that's my favorite shot. Just that where she's upside down and her hair standing straight up, right? Okay, technically it's not standing straight up. But what is her clothes like, doing? It, the, her clothes were still fine. But when I watched behind the scenes footage, 
I don't know what they did to her hair, but her hair was standing up. I don't know. I still was like, wait, are they actually upside? I don't know what they did. It's Whitley, says she. No, but her hair wasn't like Whitley. stiff. It wasn't like... it. Maybe it's a wig. I don't know. But, but I was like, that is so cool. You know the hair stuff. Surely there's something that you get that... Like, Straight so, up moose. like that. Doesn't moose do that? Straight up like that. Yeah. Straight, right? Like, no, there's gravity involved here. Do you get like different um, strengths in moose? So. But the thing is, you'd see it. If you're going to... Do you understand what? You'd see the stiffness. And her hair so hair was up, stiff. right? Yes, her hair was up. I was like, what? I still went back and like looked so and then went words, back again. And I was like, okay, I don't know how they did this. It's straight up, mm. but it wasn't like hard. No. Like if she moved her head. Yes. <gasps> that's what I'm saying. Oh, there's something to that. Guys, comment below. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Send us a, something. That was so cool. <laughs> if that. you know something about this. Right. So, yeah. And then Helena Boham Carter's Red Queen is actually a combination of two characters from the books because Alice in Wonderland and Alice Through the Looking Glass were both books. So the Red Queen from Through the Looking Glass is a chess piece who competes with the White Queen. Obviously, like in the original Alice in Wonderland, there wasn't a White Queen. Obviously, in this one, there is. But that's why, yeah. because in uh, uh, Through the Looking Glass... The Red Queen competes with the White Queen. The Queen of Hearts from Alice, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland is a playing card with anger management issues and decapitation mania and fondness for Flamingo and Hedgehog. Hedgehog um, that game. What's it called? Croquet. Um, no. Mm, yeah. That You know that game that she plays. Yes. So, while the White Army's uh, is chess themed the red queen's army is playing card themes in other words what they're saying is they took these two queens and merged them so you have the 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 queen of hearts and you have the red queen from through the looking glass and they made her the one queen do you understand what i'm saying yeah. so in the books they're actually separate characters but they combined them for for this and then Tim Burton and Johnny Depp worked hard to give the Mad Hatter more depth and presence than the past portrayals. In fact, the pair swapped uh, sketches and themes for the character prior to creating this new version. It was so cool. Literally, if you watch behind the scenes footage, they show you Johnny Depp's like drawings. Literally, he went and drew concept Johnny art yes, of the Mad Hatter. And then you see Tim Burton's. Um, concept art for, for the Mad Hatter. And they actually had very similar ideas before they even started collaborating. So when they sent the two sketches to each other, they actually realized they were both kind of thinking of the same thing. And then obviously they, they would just then create him in real life. And this movie marks the seventh time Johnny Depp has worked under the direction of Tim Burton and the sixth time for Helena Boham Carter. So the three of them are, are a pair. They are quite a, quite a pair. Then there's a line in the film where the Mad Hatter keeps asking, why is a raven like a writing desk? Yeah. <laughs> Which you're like, why is a raven like a writing desk? This is directly from Lewis Carroll's Alice, Adve Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Carroll, who's the author, admitted that there was never an answer to the question. He made it up without an answer. He did provide one possible answer years later after many requests from his fans for the answer. And the answer is because it can produce a few notes, though they are very flat. And it is never put with the wrong end in front. Okay, after that answer, what was the question again? <laughs> 
Why, why is a is raven ra like a writing disc? Yeah, I don't think it's supposed to. I don't know. It's like, okay, right. Somebody's clicking with it. However, never is spelled N-E-V-A-R because that's the word raven backwards. So in his answer, he spells never incorrectly because it's actually the word raven backwards. And then... It's one of those... Yeah, it's one of those tenant things. Another answer from the American puzzler Sam Lloyd. He said because Edgar Allan Poe wrote on both over the years... Oh, wait, because it, that's his answer. Because Edgar Allan Poe wrote on both a raven and a writing desk. Never. <laughs> over the years, numerous... Um, others have come up with possible answers as well. I just feel like the only person who knows the answer to that question is the Mad Hatter. And we will never know the answer. I think I've gone mad. <laughs> totally bonkers. Entirely bonkers, yes. This um, is the first movie Tim Burton has directed for Disney since leaving the studio in the 1980s. Do you know that he was first hired as an, animator, an animation artist for Disney, but the reason they let him go is because he didn't match their style? Which is very true. Like, you think of Disney and think of Tim Burton. That's so they actually let him go. But this was the first time since then that he actually... Because this is a Disney, a Disney live-action remake. So. so for him, he walked in. Hey, Jack, what's up? Hey, Paul, come here, man. What's up? Yes, basically. That's weird because Walt Disney was had a similar... But not gothic. Like, Tim Burton oh, yeah, has like, a look, gothic style. Yeah. I'm saying that that Walt Disney... If you go look at the guy, Walt... Walt Good old Walt. <laughs> um, he, um, same thing. Uh, he, he was very rejected for his oh, yes. style yeah. of that's true. Whatever animation. It's interesting though that Tim Burton was an animator, hence why he was actually able to do this film. Because the way I see animators, they very like over exaggerate. Mm. Yeah. But also like the fact that the whole film was. I mean, he didn't have to make it green screen. He could have built sets. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like he could have. I don't know if it would have been as good as, as it was, but... It's nice because it makes it fantasy-like. Yes, yes, that's the thing. It does I make mean, it fantasy-like. you're able to like. have weird characters and yeah. stuff like that. And if you look at all the other types of Alice in Wonderlands that they made, not, nothing was like this. Mm -hmm. It was all the live, real live, yes. real forest, you know. It, yeah. it wasn't over-exaggerated. The dark forest was like gloomy, you yeah. know, that type this of was thing. More, so it was more fantasy. There's freedom in it. Also, um, Helen, Helena Boham Carter stated that Tim Burton was still working on the movie two weeks before its premiere. Huh? So he was so two weeks before... Because, you know, normally they have the film done in advance. Uh, okay. Then they start the, with distribution and advertising. He was still working on it two weeks before the premiere. We know the pressure, Tim. Right? All the voice actors and actresses did their lines in one day. So every character that is that is voiced, as in you don't, it's an animated character, completely CG. All of their voice acting was done in one day. All of them. Not as in on the same day. As in all of them took one day to do it. Yeah. Oh, cool. And a lot of them had, I mean, think about like the, the, the mouse, the door, the door mouse, or the cat, or the cat. But like they did, they did have like a lot, the bunny, or the rabbit, the, the white rabbit. They all had a lot of lines, but yet they were still able to do it. Yes. So, despite the fact that, that there have been many Alice in Wonderland movies, Tim Burton has said he never felt an emotional connection to the story and always thought it was a series of some girl wandering, wandering around from one crazy character to another, which I agree. If you watch, like, the, the cartoon Alice in Wonderland, there was no point to the story. It was just, like, 
Alice in a weird land, going from one weird encounter to the next weird encounter. So, in so obviously that was from the original books as well. That's all that that happened. It was literally going from one crazy encounter to the next. And the movies, which replicated this, were true to the the spirit of the original books. But Tim Burton wanted to actually do more than just that. He wanted to create a story, and so he attempted to create a framework, an emotional grounding, which he never had really seen before in any of the previous versions. Tim said that it was a challenge for him to make Alice feel like a story as opposed to a series of events, and I think he did that very well. I think this is the best adaptation of Alice in Wonderland ever. Like, honestly, he did that. He did that really well. In fact... I would say this is my favorite Disney live-action remake. It's it's my by oh, far yes. my favorite. Like I'm thinking of all the other ones. So there was Mulan. There was Cinderella was also good. I enjoyed Cinderella. I think that would be my second. Beauty and the Beast was me. Um, yeah. What was that? Dumbo wasn't bad, but I'd still say this tops it. I think I liked some of the actors in Dumbo. That's about it. Yeah, Dumbo was also it Dumbo was... wasn't as good as this. Exactly. Uh, yeah, no, this was definitely one of my favorite. Not one of my. It's definitely my favorite. Lots of flavor, lots of for twenty ten, eh? Let's and for twenty, no, it's brilliant. Twenty ten, it really is brilliant. When the Hatter undergoes one of his personality changes, not only does his voice become deeper and he gains a Scottish accent. He I love that. I was like, that's so cool. In fact, Anne Hathaway was actually saying the one day she was on set and she'd seen Johnny Depp do his Mad Hatter performance, and then one day she heard him in the Scottish accent and she was like, what is he doing? Maybe he's preparing for another role or whatever. And she asked someone and they were like, no, he's, he's the Mad Hatter. And she was like, what? With a Scottish accent. So, but I thought that was really, really cool. I, I, you don't normally, in fact, you never see that. Like when does There's a character. There's where he talks and I'm like, that, is that him? It is him. Is that him? It really wow. is. Him. And he actually watched, I don't know what he watched particularly, but he sat watching something which had a Scottish accent in it. He sat watching and studying it so that he could perfect his um, Scottish accent. But also, the makeup around his eyes changes and the color of his eyes becomes dark as well. And so, what they did with this was you had Alice who was a completely human character, the only thing that happened with her was her size changed. So sometimes she was small, sometimes she was too big, and then at the end of the film, she's her proper size. Then you have other characters like the Bandersnatch, the Dormouse, the White Rabbits, the Cats, who are all completely CG characters. Then you have characters like Tweedledee and Tweedledum, and also, you know the the, the Knave, I think his name was the Knave of Hearts, he, they, those were characters that all wore motion capture suits because their bodies were animated, but their faces were, were real. Yeah. So if you look at the Knave of Hearts, he's like really weirdly tall and long. And he had to do, do you know he acted on stilts? When I saw that, I was like... I don't know how he did it. He wait, was so he, good. And he was a bit taller. No, he was a lot taller. Okay, cool. If, yeah. In the film, he really, he was like this long skinny yeah and then obviously Tweedledum and Tweedledee had the the small boy bodies etc but then you had characters they specifically did this with and it's crazy that they did this they did it with Johnny Depp and they did it with the Red Queen so the Red Queen her head was enlarged but then they also had to do her neck and they said they made her body like more of an hour shaped figure so that it could support her head which is crazy when you actually see yeah because they have to keep it in perspective that it Mm. doesn't look funny but 
when I saw uh, with her head, and then I was looking at the the behind-the-scenes footage, and I, I was just looking at her neck, and I was like, okay, if I was going to cut her head off and and scale it up, I'm like, wow, this is some work. This is some you good know, it's stuff. crazy. Yeah. No, it was, but it was so, and the weird part is when you watch behind the scenes footage, she looks weird. Because her head's saying. small, you're like. You look at her, like, she looks normal. Like, why does she not, and she, she doesn't even look normal, she looks weird. And I like the way, what they did with her hair, because in the movie, like, post CG, her head, it feels big, but her hair feels big with the crown. Yes. When you look at her with normal, it her hair doesn't look so much no. bigger. That, in other words, they took into consideration that they're going to make her hair bigger and how it would look and feel. Yes. No, it was prop. They did it. They did a really good job. And then also what they did was with Johnny Depp, they, they enlarged his eyes. So if you see him on set, he looks like the Mad Hatter. The only thing they did was afterwards they enlarged his eyes which is a very um, Tim Burton thing to do. So if you look at Tim Burton, his animations, and also if you look at his drawings, he, he always draws his characters with these like enlarged eyes. So it was quite cool that they actually did that to Johnny Depp. Yeah, which is uh, the Definitely amount of made work. Her, made him, sorry, yeah. made him look a bit more... W- mad. mad. A lot more mad. Yeah. yeah. So that was really cool. So, um, Mia was the one that got the role as Alice, but Amanda Seyfried and Lindsay Lohan were lobbied for the role. I'm so glad they didn't go with either of those actresses because I just feel like she was perfect. She brought, like, the perfect... She was Alice. She was just properly Alice. Yeah. And she's not, like, this well-known, famous actress that, oh, yeah, they're so-and-so... Like, you kind of felt like you didn't know who she was, and she was also didn't know who she was for like the beginning part of the film, and then yeah, and then it's also a good ending. no, it was good, and I'm so glad they did not do this. In fact, I'm I I cannot even express the joy I feel that they did not do this. Do you know who else was considered for the role of the Mad Hatter? Guess Ryan. Um, like the worst person who they could ever have put in that role. Um, Robert Downey Jr. No, he probably would have done a good job at oh, it. okay. Worst person. Worst. Um, We've spoken about this person recently. We have? Mm-hmm. What about... He was one of the reasons another movie was ruined. No. They wanted to make Dwayne Johnson the hatter. I hear what I mean. It's a big smile. Thank God they did not do and that. It's just been like... Oh, what this are you movie would have sucked. It would have just completely sucked. Like the whole movie. Oh, I had a little girl. Oh, no. no. The other, the other person was Jim Carrey, which I'm also glad. I think he would have gone over the top with it. Yeah. Like Johnny Depp was perfect. He was he honestly like perfect. What, what was that movie where he was that green, the the, 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 the green the, guy? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. That probably would have been his take on it. Yeah, which would have been horrible. So I'm really glad that, that they didn't do that. And then do you know that the, the, the person who made all the, f- the music for the film, and I love the score for this film. It's, it, it really carries that like sci, not sci-fi fantasy feel to it. But do you know, so the, the man's name is, um, Danny Alfman. He scored the whole movie to green screen footage. Do you know how hard it is, it would have been to do that because Wait, he what? wouldn't have known what was going on. So literally they gave him the green screen footage so the cut green screen footage yeah just imagine 
But like that must have been so difficult. Do you understand? And he did yeah. a flippin' good job for for not knowing where they were and what they would. Obviously, they possibly would have said not possibly. They probably would have said she's in this room or whatever. This is happening now. But the fact that he scored the whole film to green screen footage, like that, must have been a challenge for him to do. I wonder if they, at what stage they'd given it to him, because it could have, it could have been still in the middle of doing voiceover work, could be in a CG stage. In a CG stage, you probably would have had the good voiceover act, the good cuts, all of that, the sound effects. They probably would then, okay, here we go, and maybe you would have had a good idea. Maybe it was just the cuts. I think it was the cuts because, like, think about how much work all of the CG and that would have been to do. Like, they couldn't have waited for that to be finished in order for him to now score the film. So I think, like, they had to do it at the same time, which means they would have had to give him, like, raw green screen, not raw, edited green screen, as in, like, what I mean by edited is as in cuts. So in other words, he's... So out of editorial. Yes, it's been edited, but that's it. There's, there's, there's no... But do you think it was... Okay, right now I'm miming. Um, you know, so in other words, before, before <laughs> no, the editing of no, the I do sound think, effects I, and no, voiceover I think would. he would have needed the voice... The voices. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know if maybe the the CG characters' he voices what it like were in. CG. Like a mo- like that. The, what was that? That dog. That giant dog. That they poked. Baynard. Imagine. Oh no! The bandersnatch. And meanwhile, you just see this big green thing. <gasps> Do you know that she ran on a green treadmill? I know that was so cool. It was so cool, right? That whole chase scene. Literally, there's nothing but her and a green treadmill, and she's yeah. running. <laughs> that was so cool. cool. Like, like they didn't have to do it with the treadmill. They could have actually got, like, gotten her to run, but I thought the treadmill was cool. I think it must be super, super rewarding uh, for them to, to for them to work uh, with footage like that, especially in editorial, and then to see the CGI afterwards. Yeah. I think that you I must, think it must the be actors so amazing. must have. You know, like when wow. you when you're you doing know? a movie, you sort of do get a feel for it because you're there, you're on set, you see how the other characters look. This time around, there was Johnny Depp, there was Mia, there was Helena, there was the and Name green. of Hearts, and that was it. Like tap- and lots of green. Yeah, and lots of green. And you're like, okay, guys, so in this scene, we're in the Queen of Hearts, I mean, they the, go the home. Red Queen's Palace. Yeah, they go home and they they're close like... close their eyes and they see purple <laughs> because their eyes have been balancing out the colors so much. <laughs> right. <laughs> so then they go to the actual premiere. They must have been so excited to actually see it and so blown away because like... They had never, no one had ever seen the world except for the CG artist yeah. and Tim Burton himself. So it would have been like an experience for all of them. Yeah, yeah. it actually shows you how, how a lot of hard work can be extremely um, rewarding. Rewarding, yeah. Can you I, imagine? So you get a free, free pen. What color would you like? What colors do you have? Uh, we only got green. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I'm fine. Don't want anything green. Yeah, no. So for me... Alice in Wonderland and Alice Through the Looking Glass. Obviously, it's the, that's the sequel to it. I loved Alice Through the Looking Glass. Honestly, I think I enjoyed Alice Through the Looking Glass more than Alice in Wonderland just because the story... But... Oh, okay, wait. The story was... It was brilliant. I loved the storyline of Alice Through the Looking Glass. However, Alice Through the Looking Glass would have been nothing without Alice in Wonderland. So this was a really good... You know when they make a film and then they make a sequel, oftentimes the sequel can suck. This was a really good... This was like a play, like a completely that way. You know, in other words, they had the story. Yes. And they didn't like... They decided, hmm, if Alice was in Wonderland, I think from here on... And then they yeah. wrote like a really, really good yeah. piece yeah, from no, it that. No, was brilliant. So, out of the two, my favorite is Through the Looking Glass, but I only think you, 
Like, I don't know if you remember, Ryan, in Through the Looking Glass, they go back to the, you know, the tea party? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, That's which right. Which was so cool. So it, would have been, it wouldn't have been anything without Alice in Wonderland. But honestly, these films are really good. They are like at the top, definitely, of the fantasy films, at the top of Disney live-action remakes. They, they're brilliant. They really are enjoyable. And for people who do CG and 3D work. They're amazing. Man, so nice. Yeah. It, they, it really was something that hadn't been done. Like I remember when it came out, everyone was like, "It it really was some. It was like it was like Avatar in a way. Obviously, Avatar wasn't all green screen. They did more motion capture in that, so it was a little bit. But Avatar was very like obviously. There's the fantasy part of it. Yes, and then there's the real part. There's a level of fantasy you go. Yeah. This one sort of kept it grounded in a weird way because obviously you don't get a cat that can talk and t- yeah. But it's not like another creature or another type yes. of. Not whatever like aliens or whatever. You've seen. Yeah. yeah, it was like a cat that can talk and turn its head. And be invisible. Yeah. Oh, yes. Mm. That was cool. Yeah. You see? Definitely. So, yeah. This was Alice in Wonderland. Our review. Very good film. If you mm-hmm. haven't watched it, please go watch it. If you have watched it, go watch it again. It's been 11 years. <laughs> and then uh, when you enjoy it so much, you can watch Alice through the Looking Glass. I'm definitely watching Alice through the Looking Glass. I actually watched over the weekend Matrix. For real? I watched on Friday, I watched the first Matrix. Uh-huh. Because I, um, well, I watched when I was so small. Yeah. That I, you, you just, you, yeah, you're you just like, uh, that you never really look at the story. So I checked the story. Then I, then I watched the second one. But Sashi, the second one is in two parts. And each part is two hours long. Oh my goodness. But you watch the first part. Now understand, the first part was released in 2003, I think June. Mm-hmm. And... You know, usually they ended. It's like like in Star Wars, they had a battle. When they overcame the battle, they're like, yay. And then this one, the scene started, and then it to be concluded. Two-hour film. And then so later So it's on, like what Infinity War did to us. No, even there, there's like a bit of a, a bit of a dramatic ending. Uh, Nothing. It's like the movie's going, going to be concluded. Stop. And then in November 2003, they released the second, second one. Second part. Now, what I got from that was that movie was too long. They were like, yeah. we have to have the whole and thing. And they couldn't cut anything out. So, so. in two parts. Yeah. But anyway, I've been enjoying that. So, because uh, I, I believe in December, the fourth one's going to be released. Yes. So, we're looking forward. I for, feel uh, like I need to do that too. Because otherwise, when the fourth one comes out, yeah. I'm just going to be like. Because there's a story behind. Yes. There's, there's quite a And cool the fourth story. one will definitely match. Yeah, but the at the end of the, the second part, it's very rewarding. Like, yes. you know, everyone wins. Yay. And there's obviously more. But anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. so coming soon. What was our first movie? Oh, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Yes. And then the there Matrix. You there you go. <laughs> right. Coming up to the movie show. Yes. But uh, for this week, this is us. Signing Thank up. Thank you so much. We have we have not lost our muchness. Mm-hmm. We're just leaving it for next week. But we are mad. <laughs> Entirely bonkers. bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Signing out. Till next week. Like what you're listening to? Follow us on Gab and Twitter at ActiveFM, Instagram at ActiveFM777, and Facebook at forward slash ActiveFM.